Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Insanity is dangerous, and there's a movement trying to remake it. Welcome to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. Today's guest is John Rafe. He's director of Creative Production and is the on-air host at the D. James Kennedy Ministries. And today we're going to be discussing the gender insanity going on here in America and at the doorstep of the church. With me today here on Crosspoint, I've got John Rabe. We're talking about gender insanity, and folks, it is definitely that of what's going on anymore. There's a accompanying DVD, too, that kind of comes from D. James Kennedy Ministries, The Tragedy of Gender Confusion. And, uh, you know, I guess probably one of the first things you could talk about, John, in confusion of gender is what our first lady pulled with Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, when they presented a biological male with International Woman of the Year Award. I mean, it just continues, like the word says, insanity. It just won't stop. It's so true. And Mark, it's always great to be with you. I think, you know, insanity is a strong word, and yet we intentionally chose to put that in the title of the program because I have to believe, and I'm not the only one who made the decision, but I I have to believe that, you know, there has been so much of this sort of woke stuff that we've been steamrolled with over the past decade or two. And um, you've seen this shift in American public public consciousness on, say, the issue of same-sex marriage, where, you know, the polls showed 15 years ago that people were overwhelmingly against it. And uh, then the Supreme Court made its ruling, and now people are overwhelmingly for it. Um, but when you look at uh, this gender issue, I still think that there's just something so basic about it that I really believe that the ordinary person, even who's not a Christian, even who does not have a a fully formed biblical worldview, just a regular person, it's so deeply embedded in us issues of sex and gender that, that they know that this is nuts, that they know that something's being foisted on them where they have to pretend to go along with this, they have to pretend that, you know, Rachel Levine of the, the Biden administration is actually a woman. They have to pretend that, that Bruce Jenner wearing a, a dress and calling himself Caitlin is actually a woman. I think that most people, uh, there's an apologist, a Christian apologist, Jay Budashevsky, who, who titled a book that he wrote, What We Can't Not Know. And I really think that these issues of of sex and gender are part of what we can't not know. It's so deeply embedded that people know deep within that there's sort of a game being pulled on them, a maneuver that's being pulled on them, but they have to play along with it. And so, uh, yeah, we look at and and you see you see the Biden administration, and they are far from the only ones. You see it in in media and entertainment in our school system now, where. Everyone just has to pretend that this is the most normal thing in the world and that this biological male who has decided that he is a female, that we're all just going to go along with that. We're all just going to play along with that. It really is literal insanity, and uh, it, it bodes, I think, barring the special intervention of God, which, of course, he can always do, and I pray that he does, but barring special intervention— 
it bodes very poorly for our ability to even hold a society together because we're at a point where words don't mean anything anymore, where where pronouns are changing and where, uh, you know, a woman of the year can be a biological man. We, we're at the point where it's, it's, it's the, the jabberwocky of, uh, of Carol, where we, words don't mean anything anymore, and then you're just a short slide from there to really the complete unraveling of your society. Well, you know, we used to argue the point about who believed in absolute truth, and here's where an area where you don't. But you also mentioned, John, you know, how people have just went along with this. But what's the danger in just going along with this? What happens? Well, that's a great question, Mark. And, of course, there are, there are numerous dangers. The, the first and, and most obvious one, and, and I'm thankful that this is really getting a lot of attention now, even in the mainstream media and certainly in the conservative media, but the, but the first danger is to children. Because what's happening now is that uh, this movement has, has already become so powerful that, let's say, a, a, a 10 or 11-year-old girl who decides that she's actually deep down within male or a a little boy who's deep down within a a girl they will tell that to a doctor and doctors will now begin to prescribe medications that will begin to alter permanently the bodies of those children they end up in some cases undergoing quote-unquote gender reassignment surgery females have operations on their on their breasts and so forth and and you know the, the males have surgeries that permanently disfigure them and and disable them in certain ways and this is becoming commonplace to the point where if you are to simply point out that this is this is wrong this is evil that you do not take a confused child and start to pump them full of chemistry altering body altering drugs and treatments that are going to to affect them for the rest of their lives to even say that now is to be called a bigot and to be called a hater and to be called a transphobe um and so there's a very real harm that's happening to to children there are many schools now that will uh, public schools where if you have uh, again an 11 12 year old child who thinks they belong to the opposite sex they can go to school and and their their teachers may help them secretly transition without the parents even knowing what's happening, without even knowing that there's an issue going on. Think about how insidious that is. And so the harm to children, the the permanent harm that can come to children is the biggest danger, I think. Um, And and by the way, numerous, numerous studies show uh, almost universally that the vast majority of children grow out of that sort of thing. Uh, a child that flirts with the idea that they belong to the opposite sex um, at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old will almost in every case grow out of it if they're simply given time to do so. Um, and so to lock in these, these flights of fancy when children are, are um, you know, pre-developmental is just an abomination. Beyond that may seem a little bit more like an esoteric danger, but I don't think it's any less of a danger. I alluded to it before, but it is the unraveling of our society where words no longer mean anything. Uh, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire, I think, has done some terrific work on this in the past couple of years. But he and they put out a movie, I guess a year or two ago now, called What is a Woman? And 
in that movie, Walsh goes around asking regular people, asking psychologists, acting, asking doctors, asking activists, what is a woman? And they cannot answer the question. They are so wedded to this gender ideology that the vast majority of them can no longer even answer the question. And so they say, well, a woman is anyone who feels within or thinks that they are a woman. And he says, okay, well, I understand that you're saying that, but what is that thing that a person thinks they are? Ultimately, they can't answer it. There's this postmodern and and post-structuralist playing with language that really is part of the neo-Marxist program, that is part of the cultural Marxism that we see that begins with the Frankfurt School of Thinkers and filters down through uh, Gramsci and, and then into our own day, where you really do have this this, this Marxist thought that has overtaken our universities. And part of that is to divest words of meaning and to, to make everything into sort of this, this undifferentiated blob or mass. And when words no longer have meaning, you now simply have the exercise of power. And that really is uh, consciously part of the strategy of the radical Marxist left is to destroy the family structure by removing all the normal relationships, remove all the normal meaning. So we will undo traditional marriage. We will undo what it even means to be male or female. We will undo the relationship between the parents and the child and begin to put educators and professionals in charge of that. Um, so you have these, these twin dangers of real harm to children and, and just a, a complete unraveling of society where you have no shared ground, no common beliefs anymore, or no even basic agreement that it's possible to find truth, let alone whatever truth is. John, you know, used to, you wouldn't even talk about, I mean, gender was just a light deal that you checked off on a piece of paper when you were filling out something and went went on, you know, but, you know, the idea now that it's a biological sex different type of a deal and it's not even based on science it's just in your book you talk about it's only based on a leftist philosophy and that's all it is a philosophy so what what basically you're saying here in the book as i read through this is that you know the standards of truth are just kind of overreaching and they they constitute this new reality instead you know you just kind of build your own reality yourself correct that's exactly right. And and we see it play out in a lot of different ways, but the gender realm has now become the one that is the most striking, I think, and and, and the most far reaching in many ways. Um, you mentioned the, the, the book. It's a little booklet. Uh, we did a series of booklets called Truth in Action Q&A books. And uh, it really is just to give people a very basic thumbnail sketch of of major issues like this and what the Bible has to say about them and, and things that you can help you formulate an argument and that you can digest in even just five or ten minutes. And uh, so, yeah, we did one about what does the Bible teach about uh, gender identity. And, you know, that, that's exactly right, Mark, and I think it's it's something that many people may be surprised at and would just kind of kind of lay out the issue for those who, who really have wondered where this has all come from. Um, you know, the idea, the, the idea of gender as applied to human beings is, is basically a pretty new phenomenon, something that really comes up in the past couple, in the past several decades. Um, you, you had the use of the term gender 
but it generally meant the exact same thing as biological sex. But what you start to see, it, it, it happens for the very first time in the 1950s, but really doesn't gain any sort of popularity until beginning in the mid-1970s on college campuses through the work of these college English departments, not the science department, not even the psychology department, but the English and sociology departments. You start to get this idea of gender as being something distinct from sex as being distinct from biology. And what that has become is, is now the basic idea is that your bi biological sex is what you were born with. It's the X and Y chromosomes. It's the body that you were given, or as the activists say, it's, the, the, it's what you were assigned at birth. It's the gender you were assigned at birth, but it's your biology. But beyond the biology, they say there's this whole other category of gender, and that category of gender is completely amorphous, it's completely socially constructed, and it does not have any necessary relationship to your biology. And so the idea here is, is that your gender identity is created by you in concert with surrounding factors, but it can be fluid and it can change, and it's ultimately determined by you in your own heart. And so you can have biology that's male, an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, but you can have a gender identity that's completely at odds with that, and that's completely different. And in this ideology, your gender, your, your decided gender identity takes precedence over everything. And so this is where you get the idea where now you will hear uh, even, you know, the Biden administration and so forth will talk about people, uh, persons uh, who give birth as opposed to mothers or women, um, because in their view, it's just as possible for a quote unquote man to give birth as it is for a woman to give birth. Now, who is that man that's giving birth? It's a biological woman who has this subjective internal gender identity where she has decided that she's a man. But they're now letting that drive the train. So whatever your mental state says you are is what you are, and that triumphs over the objective reality. And so we've really found ourselves in a situation now where, yeah, the internally decided thing is the one that governs everything, and we all have to bow to that. Whatever you've decided you are internally, we all have to give in to that. So if you've decided you're male, we have to refer to you using male pronouns. If you've decided you're female, we've got to refer to you using female pronouns. Oh, and by the way, that gender identity is not limited to simply male and female. No, no, no. That's far too restrictive. It can be pretty much anything that you can come up with. So Facebook famously had something like 57 different gender identities at one point, or I forget if that's... If, yeah, if 71, yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 I was going to say, is it steak sauce or is it uh, gender identities? Yeah. But it's ever-increasing. Now it's just as many as you can come up with, because whatever you decide it is, it is. And so I have a gender identity. I identify as a kitten, and I use, instead of he, him pronouns, I use she, jeer pronouns. All of this madness happening where it's the triumph of the subjective individual over objective reality. And again, that leads you to a place of relativism where it's impossible to have a shared idea of law and a shared idea of government and a shared idea of good and evil and instead leads to absolute chaos. Well, folks, an interesting discussion. Stay with us. We're going to be back with more right after this. 
This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the Programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest today is John Rabe. Now, John, you're with the D. James Kennedy Ministries, and folks, they offer so many different things, uh, and, and especially talking about social issues that are basically affecting not just society, but especially the Christians in society, and all the things of um, trying to alert people. They've got different documentaries they put together. They've got different uh, packs that they put together and uh, books and DVD forms. So, uh, John, tell people if they want to know more about what we're talking about today, this gender insanity and, you know, and, and this DVD that's out as well, uh, the tragedy of gender confusion, and then all the other stuff you do. How do they go ha- about contacting your ministries and getting this kind of help? Well, thanks, Mark. The, the easiest way to do that is just to go to our website, djkm.org. DJKM stands for D. James Kennedy Ministries. So, yeah, if you go to djkm.org, we have all sorts of resources there that are free. Then there is a tab for our store as well where you can uh, you can order books and DVDs and, and other resources and so forth. This uh, gender booklet that we were just talking about is available in the store there at djkm.org. It's called uh, What Does the the Bible Teach About Gender Identity? Um, And then uh, we also have, as you alluded to, a DVD program that we did that is called The Tragedy of Gender Confusion. And uh, it's an hour-long, a little bit long, hour-plus long DVD program, and and you can find that at djkm.org slash gender. And uh, that will allow you to uh, to get any, get a hold of any of these resources, the DVD or the the program, the tragedy of gender confusion. It's also available for streaming on uh, Salem Now at their website, and so uh, it's it's available through those. But yeah, djkm.org is the easiest way to find us, and all our other contact information is there as well. But uh, you know, we're, the idea is that we really want to continue Dr. Kennedy's legacy and Dr. Kennedy's mission. Uh, for those who remember him, Dr. Kennedy was just this clear voice, this clarion call in the 70s, 80s, 90s, into the early 2000s, who uh, preached the Bible but was not afraid to deal with these controversial issues. And people accused him all the time of, oh, you're political, you're a political preacher. And he said, I'm not political, I preach biblical issues, but the left continues to make more and more of those moral issues political and so uh, I'm going to preach on them, and I'm not going to be I'm not going to be uh, put off of that by the fact that they become political. They, we've been defining marriage, uh, and the Bible's been defining marriage for many thousands of years now. So if someone else wants to make it political, that's not going to stop us from dealing with it. Now it's the same with gender and sex. Male and female have been with us since the very beginning, since Genesis 1. And if somebody wants to make that a political issue, well, we're not the ones who made it political. We simply observe what's always been there, but we will deal with it, and we will bring a biblical perspective to it. So that's what we try to do, and try to equip people to understand these issues and be able to respond to them in a biblical manner. Now, John, this... 
you know, this issue, like you said, it can be kind of crazy and, and you know, you just can't hardly follow along that even people are thinking normal in this. But really, in reality, isn't this just basically a spiritual warfare attack against a devil that hates God and the image of God in his people, and he's trying to destroy that? I mean, that's the bottom line to the whole thing, is it not? It absolutely is. And it's been a particularly effective uh, attack on Satan's part. And, you know, he attacks in different ways in different times, but he uh, has found a way in, in this culture and in this, uh, in this time that has been that has been very effective, but you know we go back to the Word of God, and and these these issues are are very clear right at the beginning, and and so we see in Genesis chapter one as as God is creating Genesis right at the beginning, chapter one verse twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's in the very first chapter of the Bible. And of course, um, as we see the, the biblical story continue, it doesn't take very long before what happens. Well, the serpent arrives in the garden in, in Genesis chapter 3 already. And the very thing that happens in the garden is the thing that happens today. Satan slithers up to Eve, and what does he do? He questions the Word of God. He brings the, the design of God into question. He brings the Word of God into question. Did God really say that? Oh, he surely he didn't really say that. He couldn't have meant that. He's just trying to keep good things away from you. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happening today, where something as clear as what's male and what's female, and I, again, this is as basic as it gets, and we talk to the children about the birds and the bees. Why? Because it's a basic component of our design. It's a basic component of our biology. But something that's as simple as that, something that's as clear and obvious as that, Satan now has come in, uh, and, and he hates the image of God. And so male and female, he created them in his image, it tells us. God created us in his image. And Satan immediately comes in and tries to attack that image. So our maleness and our femaleness is now one of those things that he's going after, and he's having a great deal of success with it. And there is a, an enormous human toll that comes with this, in addition to the fact that it just it, it, it tears apart the fabric of our of our society. Um, the the human toll we talked about already, Mark the the. The, the danger that it poses to children who are getting treatments and getting irreversible damage done to their bodies through these gender reassignment treatments and so forth, these gender-affirming care, as they call it. Um, and, but beyond that, studies show that something like, uh, well, actually, it's, it's, it's about 40%. There's a, there's, a, there's a 40% suicide attempt rate in the quote-unquote transgender community. That's four out of ten attempting suicide. That is so wildly beyond any other demographic that it's, it's, it's literally sickening. And so what we discover, though, is that those numbers do not go down when somebody has had this gender reassignment. You know, supposedly, well, it's, it, it's you know, my, my gender identity is out of a alignment with my body and so now i'm going to bring those two things more into alignment 
And, you know, theoretically, you would expect, okay, that's going to bring a a better sense of mental health. It doesn't. What we find is that uh, the same number of suicide attempts, it just doesn't, it doesn't confer any, any sort of benefit. And this is a group with an enormously high uh, level of suicide attempts. Why? Well, this is a difficult thing to say, and this is the kind of thing that gets you canceled, Mark, but this transgender situation is a form of mental illness. And we've always known this. Yes. This, was, this was classified as, as body dysmorphia. There is a name for it, and it was, it was classified a long time ago. Uh, and, and by by psychiatrists and by physicians, the idea of body dysmorphia was well established. That means basically, uh, you know, not feeling comfortable in your own body, hating your own body. Well, hating your own form, literally. Well, instead, now what has happened is that we paper over that and we say, oh, no, no, you just need to bring all of it into alignment. We And we'll go along with it. It's very similar and I've made this analogy numerous times, but it's, it's very similar to someone, let's take someone who's anorexic, a disease that affects many young women. Uh, in that disease, they, it, which is a mental illness, the woman becomes convinced that she's fat, but it does not have anything to do with her actual weight or appearance. And so, you know, those who are closer to probably your and I age, Mark, will remember the the infamous case of Karen Carpenter, the, the yep. famous singer who died, I think, in 1983, perhaps about 40 years ago now, amazingly enough, but died of anorexia. was a, sort of the first well-known person to have this happen. But she was skeletal, and, and yet she believed that she was fat. Her, her psychology, her mind told her that she was overweight even as she was dying of starvation. Well, what do we do with somebody like that? We certainly don't play into that delusion and go along with it and say, yes, yes, you are indeed overweight. You need to lose that weight and and help kill them. And yet somehow with someone born in a male body who thinks that he's female, we've decided that the best course of action is for us to all play along with it. Yes, yes, you really are female. You genuinely are stunning and brave and truly a woman um, playing along with the mental illness. That has devastating repercussions for people who genuinely need help and genuinely deserve our compassion and need the hope of the gospel, not the false hope of, of body-destroying, soul-destroying treatments and medications. You know, you talk about in the book, um, this little book here, about the repeated theme. Uh, you mentioned President Obama, whose administration punished those who you know, would speak out and against this kind of stuff, you know, and he always said he was a believer in tolerance, but yet he took it to another level. But you said there from the onset of his administration that his goal was to fundamentally transform America, in other words, to change it as it is very at its very core. And he those to empower widely to exceed their goal. And you said the revolution is now nearly complete uh, because of you know, really, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to transform this country. That's exactly right. And and it's become a, a real, uh, you know, there, there, there's just no question that this was the design from the get-go. And, and, and in that uh, piece, I talked a little bit about, uh, about President Obama's worldview, where he, you know, really is part of this this sort of postmodern worldview that that rejects absolutes, right? So you have 
this continuing, and, and we've all seen it take hold in, in the 80s and 90s, and now it's just on, on steroids, but this idea that uh, absolute truth is somehow the danger and having this corner on truth, that's the offense of the gospel, you know, that uh, how, how could you people think that you have the only way to God? That's been an offense, particularly uh, in, in recent decades. I think of John MacArthur on the air with Larry King numerous times. Every time, uh, pa- Pastor John, how can you say that, that your way is the only way? Well, we don't. Jesus said it, and we believe Jesus. But that sort of absoluteness, that sort of idea that 2 plus 2 equals 4 has has come under attack as sort of the, the a, a Western way of thinking, and particularly a Western white male way of thinking, and it's used to subjugate people. And so these sort of liberationist ideas that have arisen say, no, 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 in, instead uh, we, we have to do away with the absolute. There's a long intellectual history involved here, but you have the postmodernist thinkers, Michael Foucault and, and, uh, and Jacques Derrida and others in the, in the 60s and 70s who are who are doing this work of, of sort of, of, of deconstructing language and, and setting up a system where there is no objective truth, where there is no meta-narrative, no overarching story that unites us. Each one of us is sort of generating our own story and generating that reality out of our own mind. And, you know, you see what happens when you begin to apply that to everything. And that's what's happened now. We've applied it to gender. We are generating this out of our own minds. And that's what takes precedence. There, there are some tells, though. You know, nobody is completely consistent about this. They play a game, and and on the far left, that game is purposeful. You know, the, uh, there was this long march through the institutions where the, the this universal solvent, this critical theory solvent, was poured out on everything to to sort of dissolve our society and to dissolve our structures. But you, you, there, are, there are tells in reality uh, that show you that they don't really believe it. Because, you know, Barack Obama may say, well, Christians need to not be so, or Americans need to not be so certain that they've got the truth. And this, this idea that I have the truth is what's really dangerous. Well, they, they say things like that, but when they come to a red light, they still hit, they still hit the brakes. Uh, nobody is such a relativist that they think red lights are green and green lights are red uh, because you end up dead very quickly. Uh, as Al Mohler told me once, nobody wants a relativist reading their x-rays. Um, nobody wants a relativist interpreting their contract. So they, you know, it's, it's very convenient. They dispense with objective reality when it does uh, when it doesn't aid them, but uh, there are certain points where they inconveniently have to go along with it. But this unraveling is really all, it really does all go back to this far left Marxist idea that we have to break down all the basic societal structures so that we can rebuild it anew. It's a revolution in slow motion, a revolution without guns. Instead, it's an intellectual revolution that's taken place through the educational institutions primarily and it's led us to nearly the brink of an abyss yeah i agree with that well folks stay with us here on crosspoint we're going to come back with more right after this offering words to encourage teaching to inspire and truth that defines real life this is who we are what we offer and what you can expect 91.7 The Word. 
You're listening to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. My guest today is John Rabe. Now, John's with the D. James Kennedy Ministries. John, again, tell us about uh, a little bit anyway about the D. James Kennedy Ministries, what you do there, uh, about what we're talking about today, and other things that you offer as well. Sure. Thank you, Mark. Uh, well, we, we are a media ministry first and foremost, and so we continue to produce a, a weekly nationally televised program, Truths That Transform, uh, which was Dr. Kennedy's radio program name for many decades. And we're on a number of Christian networks around the nation. We're also syndicated on a number of local stations. You can uh, check your local listings or find listings for that at djkm.org, which is our website. You can also watch the program uh, on our website, the weekly program. And, and in that program, we, we deal with issues from a Christian perspective, sort of hot cultural issues, things that tend to be uh, interesting right now, things that are happening right now. And then we also add uh, a chunk of, of Dr. Kennedy's uh, sermons to it, which are still remarkably relevant even today. Uh, you know, he it went to be with the Lord over 15 years ago now, and yet we just are always amazed over and over again how prescient he is and how, how much foresight he had because he understood the times and he understood the Word of God, and so it holds up. And so we'll, uh, we'll have a feature segment dealing with some uh, current cultural issue. We'll get Dr. Kennedy's perspective from one of his sermons. We'll have, uh, offer some resources and even have a commentary from our, uh, our president and CEO, Dr. Kennedy's successor, uh, Pastor Rob Pacienza. So we produce the weekly television program. We also produce these DVD specials, uh, as you're talking about here, such as the tragedy of gender confusion and many others as well. We, we produce books, and even we have a new podcast called uh, The City of God, which you can check out at uh, cityofgodpodcast.com. So we're always looking to add even more, too. We're always, we want to expand our reach. We want to, we want to find, Dr. Kennedy talked about reaching the world in ways yet undreamed of. He stood in front of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church as it was being built in 1974 and said, you know, we're going to reach the world through books and tapes and, and television in ways yet undreamed of. And we do podcasts now and DVDs and, and ways yet undreamed of. And, and uh, when Dr. Kennedy was still here, uh, we, we continue to try to expand that, to try to help the people of God really deal with these issues from a biblical perspective, as we are in a time of just radical cultural change day by day. Yeah, no doubt about that. In your book here, Gender Insanity, you, you say, and this is so true, a culture that can no longer make a distinction as simple as the one between men and women and actively demonizes those who do is a culture that is in the late stages of collapse. So that's a pretty tough statement, but it's a pretty true statement. It really is, because when you think about it, what is more basic than that? And, and, you know, male and female and the obvious difference, which, by the way, we do all still really know. Uh, you know, any child knows it, and we all know it. I, you know, we've, people have learned to play the game because they're afraid of losing their jobs. They're afraid of social pressure. They're afraid of getting canceled. They're afraid of a Twitter mob coming after them. But, you know, nobody looks at, at, at Rachel Levine and thinks there's a woman. Everybody immediately knows, instinctively knows even, this is a man pretending to be a woman. And, and uh, perhaps a man who even thinks he's a woman, but it's not actually a woman. But we're afraid to say things like that because of the, of the 
enormous social pressure that the left has brought into into play to sort of enforce orthodoxy on this. But if we can't agree on something as simple as male and female, the only thing that I can even think of that's even close to that in terms of just how basic it is, is two plus two being four. And sure enough, there are now movements uh, to in, in the educational world to not ask for correct answers to math problems, which makes students feel disempowered, which makes students feel low self-esteem. And so we're not necessarily going for a correct answer when we ask the question, what's two plus two? Uh, we're just looking for different perspectives on it and different explanations on it. And, and again, nobody would ever go into a building designed by a person who believes that two plus two equals anything other than four. But uh, we're yet creating a, a generation of children who are being taught to believe that none of this is nailed down. All of this is relative. All of it is floating in midair. And so what is a constitution? You know, America's highest governing document is the Constitution. Well, what is a constitution if words don't have any meaning? Well, what, it, what is a constitution? It becomes an organic uh, an organic entity that grows and changes depending on how we read it today and whatever judge happens to be reading it in any given moment. Well, sure enough, that's the situation that we found ourselves with on the Supreme Court in the last 60 or 70 years. What does a, uh, what does a, a you know, just a, any, any local government, what does any, what does any organization look like when you can no longer agree on basic principles? What does a city look like when you can no longer agree what's good and evil, what's right and wrong, or what you should do to people who commit evil or to people who do good? Well, you end up with communities like Portland. Uh, you end up with with communities like what's happening even in Atlanta, uh, like my hometown of St. Louis, like Detroit, where you have these, this growing sense of war out in the streets because uh, Seattle as well, you, uh, this growing sense of war because there's no agreed upon reality. And, and, and so it really is sort of a revolutionary movement. I've said, and I don't think it's original with me, I, I'm sure I heard someone else say it, but when we would talk about abortion, I would say that's the big E on the moral eye chart. If you can't see that one, you can't see any of the other ones clearly. And I still think that that's true, but I think gender may even be bigger than that. If you can't see something that clear and that obvious, then you can't be trusted to discern any sort of truth. And and we don't have any agreed-upon basis for determining what's true. Where do we go? How do we settle the issue? If we can't go to the Word of God, if we can't go to basic biology, if we can't go to the basic wisdom of the ages that's been shared and passed down from generation to generation, from culture to culture, truths that cross the world and cross cultures, if we can't go to any of those things, then where can we go for truth? Where can we go to even have common ground to determine truth? Well, we can't. And so each person makes it up for himself and you literally cannot have a society. A society requires agreed-upon uh, terms. It requires some, some common ground that you can agree we all are going to abide by these particular norms. Once you lose those, you have an unraveling society. And I think we all look around and realize 
it's holding together by scotch tape right now if it's holding together at all we're becoming more and more divided as more and more of the country decides there just isn't any truth um and i don't know what the way back from that is except there's going to need to be a, a revival we're going to need to continue to speak the truth and we need to speak the truth in love this can't just be dismissive. It can't just be angry. We do have to have compassion for people who are lost and confused, and we have to hold out to them the truth of the gospel, that you are condemned in your sin, and you need to repent of your sin, and you need to turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your very real sin. I have my sin, you have your sin, but it's real, it's objective, and you need an objective Savior to pay for that. Until we have an awakening, until... We boldly take a stand on that truth of the Word of God and preach it in the power of the Spirit, and the Spirit works in people to hear it. Things are going to continue to unravel. But we can't be discouraged. We have to recognize God can do all things. The Spirit can bring revival, and He's going to do that if He decides to do it. He's going to do it through faithful people who stand on the truth and who do not compromise, even though all the pressure of the world, all the pressure of their job, all the pressure... Social media, all the pressure of their friends are coming against them. They still stand in truth. Those are the kind of people and those are the kinds of churches that God is going to bring revival through. Well, those are the kind of churches that can kind of get in trouble and Christians by what they say and just quoting God's Word. Now, in the back of the book here, you've got 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. You said, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunks, nor rivalers, revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, and such are some of you, but you were washed and sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Now, when you go telling all those stuff to people, you're going to get a war started in words, aren't you? You are, and... And, and to some degree, that's always been true. I mean, the, the, the truth of God, you know, as, as the Bible tells us, that the light has come into the world, but men hated it because they, they, their deeds were evil, so they, they hated the, the light and loved the darkness. Uh, you know, that's, that's always been true. But in a, in a generation in which the, the basic, the most serious faux pas is to assert objective truth, or to just point point out, you know, I, I guess when you think about it, when when do we get most defensive? Just everybody listening, think of yourself in an argument. When do you become the most angry, the most defensive in that argument? Usually it's when you know that they've got you. Usually it's when you know, when they know that you're, you're wrong a little bit. And so uh, that tends to be when we get to be the most defensive. And so we are proclaiming truths that convict the world and that they know deep down, you know, Romans 1 tells us that the natural man, the sinful man, suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. That means, you know, the, 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 the image that R.C. Sproul used of the, the Greek there, suppress, it's as if there's resistance. It's as if you're pushing back on a spring. The truth keeps wanting to pop up but you're actually having to actively push it down, actively having to hold it down. Well, that's what the world is having to do with truths like this. And so when we state the truth clearly and plainly, it's going to convict people, and they're going to feel it resonate with that thing that they're desperately trying to push down. 
and a lot of people are going to get angry. We don't want to add to that offense. We don't want to be disagreeable. We don't want to be uh, prideful. We don't want to be uh, you know, angry or hateful in doing it. We need to do it in love, recognizing we are sinners too. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so we have no merit of our own. We need to keep all of that in mind. But uh, when we're just being faithful to the Word and even lovingly reaching out with these truths, they are in our culture now fighting words, and we just have to be prepared for that and ready to not back down in a culture that doesn't want any clarity on these issues. Yeah, no doubt. So, again, before we leave here today, John, tell people how they can find out about all these great resources like this that the D. James Kennedy Ministries offer to the folks. Yeah, again, you can just go to uh, djkm.org, which is our website. That's for djameskennedyministries.org. And there's a store there that has a bunch of our resources there. We also have all kinds of free things on there, television programs and features and devotionals. And you can sign up to get a daily email devotional, commentaries, all kinds of stuff there available for free. And then we have some great resources in our store as well. Uh, you can find the, the gender resource at djkm.org slash gender. Well, thank you so much for really giving us a resource out there that, you know, people can get a hold of and use at a time when they really need these kind of resources. So thank you so much for what your ministry does. Thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. That's good information that we got today, folks. And you really do need to check out D. James Kennedy Ministries. You can get a lot of resources there that will help you with uh, what's going on in society and how to address a lot of those issues. They've done a lot of research and good stuff. You know the other book I hold in my hand? Well, that's a book that everything that D. James Kennedy Ministries has done or anybody else that's done anything that's worthwhile, it's the Bible. That's what makes all the difference in how things are presented and presented the right way. Because they're the very inspired words of God, it doesn't matter the time frame. It just matters that, you know, you can find the very essence of life right right there in the Bible. Any time period, it's never outdated. And it shows you about eternity and shows you how to walk through daily life. Why? Because the Bible contains the most important words you're ever going to read and certainly ever follow. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNAO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Neosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. Are you a Christian who likes to read? If not, there's a whole world of Christian publishing out there that you're missing out on. I invite you to check out the Author's Corner podcast, where I talk to the latest Christian authors each week about their new book releases and what's coming next. So if you're ready to jumpstart your spiritual growth with the newest books and the authors who write them, check out the Author's Corner podcast with me, Roberta Foster.